Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. Uh, today, we are going to discuss creative wisdom, healing, and resilience, resiliency with Francoise. But before we swing into that, I would like to invite you uh, to get to know yourself a little bit better. One of the things I hear frequently from clients and other folks that I interact with is, oh, I don't, I'm not especially gifted. I don't have any gifts. And the truth of the matter is we all arrive with gifts. It's just you swim in this water that you're so used to that it's hard to recognize what those gifts are. And that's why I created the Superpower Quiz. And so you can go check that out at superpowerquiz.us and take 60 seconds to find out a little bit about the water that you're swimming in and the gifts that you brought with you to share with the world. So now that that invitation has been extended, I would like to introduce our guest, Francoise Nettier. Uh, she's an MA and an author, educator, conference presenter, and has long been a leading innovator in the field of yoga, dance, dance therapy, creativity, resiliency, and stress management for over 40 years. She has worked with children and adults ranging in age from five to 95 in such diverse environments as private corporations, colleges, and universities, primary and secondary schools, hospitals, jails, health clubs, conferences, and retreat centers. Francoise has been featured on television and radio, YouTube, CDs, and in articles for the New York Times, San Francisco Chronicle, Health Club Magazine, Science and Spirit Magazine, and Circles of Seven Magazine, as well as numerous podcasts and other online venues. She has trained teachers, therapists, and medical professionals in her field of expertise, and her current work focuses on the subject of resiliency and trauma in a unique and powerful format and will be the subject of her upcoming book and TEDx talk. Welcome, Francoise. It's so nice to have you here with me today. Hello, Sophia Renee. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes. So I... I love introducing my guests because they have these amazing bios and resumes oh. and you sound like you know you walk on water but i oh, yeah you, we didn't all start there <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit about what life was like before you really got dialed into your mission well it's interesting because i loved what you talked about that we all have gifts and that we're all very creative but in very unique ways and i think that's such an extraordinary uh, thing that we're all made up of the same stuff, but we're all so unique. You know, we're like, we each have different uh, thumbprints and fingerprints and we're like snowflakes. So when I was a little girl, I was born in Europe. Um, for some reason at the age of five, I knew why I was here. I had the sense that my mission on this earth plane was to serve through my creativity. What Plain a, and simple. What a blessing, because so many of us walk around going, why am I here? <laughs> I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know what lights me up. <laughs> However, so that's wonderful. There's a but. <laughs> oh, there's always a but, isn't there? <laughs> My childhood, unfortunately, was extraordinarily traumatic. 
Um, Welcome to the world of lightworkers, right? Right, right, (laughs) right. So not only was uh, my family all Holocaust survivors, but I also was a survivor of sexual abuse by my greatest, uh, by someone who was an Auschwitz survivor. So I really lost my way for, for, for a very long time. But somehow that connection to my creativity and to serving the world never went away. I just got lost. And for me at a young age, um, I, I mean, there was nobody in my family that ever went to college. So I was the first one that went to university. I had you to get go a full girl. <laughs> I was self-supporting at 16. I discovered psychiatry as well as the arts, but somehow the arts and my connection to spirit what, were what kept me alive through so much trauma. And I do want to talk about that because I would love to dig into that farther because there are so many of us who walk around with these childhoods that have like ripped holes in our soul almost. And it can be really difficult to put yourself back together and to feel even worthy of having a mission. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting because I had to bushwhack my whole life. There was no one who, I became a dancer at 21. And um, when I was 21, nobody became a dancer. You became a lawyer, (laughs) a doctor, an Indian chief, but you did, you quit dancing. And I, you know, it was, it wasn't immediate. So any of you today that are still looking for your mission and your purpose, it's, it's an evo- it's an onion, it's an evolving way. And I had no self-esteem. So somehow, you know, I just work that way. And I bushwhacked, I became a dance therapist, I got a master's in dance and dance therapy, I worked as a graphic artist. Um, I was self supporting from 16 on so nobody paid for my school. And I always did things the way today. Now everybody does. Everybody's got all these part-time jobs. Well, that's what I did. I had to piece together all these contractual um, work. But I, I knew after the age of 21 that I couldn't do anything else except for what really lit up my soul and my being. And so somehow I did that and I never made much money, but I just kept serving the world through my art, through my creativity, through dance, through yoga, and very much um, being able to facilitate other people through their own spirituality, through their own unique gifts. And never felt that my way was anybody else's way. And I think today we get so lost because we think there's only one way. There's only one way to be. There's only one way to serve, but there isn't. There are so, so many. Now, I love that you said that you had no Mm self-esteem. And I know a lot of us, especially women, struggle with the self-esteem situation. And a lot of times it holds us back from pursuing opportunities and what have you. How, do, how did you negotiate with that self-esteem vacuum? And did you overcome it eventually? You know, I, yeah, I, even though <laughs> you, you on some level, you made it sound like, oh, I was five years old when I found you know, my mission. It wasn't. <laughs> I've lived on this planet for a long time. And it's, it's a constant 
evolution, even today. I thought I, wa- I became a gypsy two and a half years ago, uh, looking for my place by the ocean. I'd been living in Colorado and I decided, no, I need to live by the ocean. And I came back right before COVID and everything in my life dissolved. And I thought that I had already done so much inner work that nothing could shake me. Nothing could take me to my knees. And I was in so much grief because all the relationships I came back to Colorado for seemed to dissolve. And then COVID hit and I hit the darkness of the night at levels that I had already thought I had gone through and navigated. Mm -hmm. And there was no navigation for the kind of isolation, aloneness and fear that I seemed to take on. So one of the things that I know you and I share is that we're both empaths and there are many women who are, and we tend to be so sensitive without even realizing what we're picking up. So the self-esteem came through my love of dance and I kept injuring myself even when I would work with, when I would perform but it was through my spirituality. It was through my very deep path of living in an ashram in India and then practicing and then teaching and then teaching meditation and also a lot of therapy. Um, I Not only did I work with thousands of sexual assault survivors, but I also did that deep work myself. So one of the things that I'm always saying is that you have to feel to heal yes, and then transform and let go of those limitations, but you've got to walk it and move it and feel it and then let it go. Yeah. And so it, I wor- it can be so scary to step into that. What words of encouragement would you have for somebody who's, who's been kind of numbing and pushing it down and avoiding it? because they're concerned if they go into that, it's gonna be like a bottomless pit. Well, the way I can answer that is that I was hired when I lived in the Bay Area. Um, They had read about my work with movement and uh, the Veterans Hospital hired me to work with women who had been assaulted during um, the Desert Storm War Mm. and they had been assaulted in the military. And I worked with both men and women and um, I had a grant at the time. And so I went in and, and worked with a woman one day. And we, I went to a meeting the next day with all the head therapist and the head psychiatrist said to me, Francoise, you did in one hour, what it takes us two years in talk therapy to accomplish. And the reason for that is that you know, we have now found through PTSD and trauma that you have to integrate both sides of the brain and that feelings are often buried in the body. So we have to be able to access them through the alpha brainwave state. And people like Joe Dispenza now and Greg Braden and epigenetic specialist Bruce Lipton talk about this, that it is through not the intellect but through the alpha brainwave state and through our creativity and accessing our inner child that we then can transform our pain, our grief and our trauma and become the alchemist, you know, turn that lead into gold. And I think today 
we're all being called to do that. I, you know, I'm still stumbling and looking for my pearl in this last two and a half, two years. And I think that, you know, I, I look at great beings who've gone through tremendous adversity, whether it's Nelson Mandela or my great hero, um, Alice Hurt Summers, who was the oldest living Holocaust survivor at 110. Wow. And study them, you know, and how did they get through it? And I am actually looking at that process myself right now, again, which I never thought I would be in. <laughs> oh, I know. Healing is always like this spiral. And about the time you think you've got it unwound, it comes around again. Um, and it used to frustrate me. And then someone gave me a different perspective on that. And it is, how will you ever know that you've grown mm. if you're not tested again? If you don't have another opportunity to go through a similar situation to see how you react this time. I'm like, oh, okay. It's an opportunity. It's not that I didn't heal it. It's not that it wasn't completely dealt with. It's, this is my opportunity to approach it from a different place. It's real important. One of the things that got triggered for me and that I help people with so much is anger, right? Oh, anger yeah. And all the, and especially for women. Women somehow are not allowed to have anger. If they're angry, they're called, you know, the B word. Exactly. And well, and it's, it's the flip side for guys, right? They can be as angry as they want, but they can't cry. You right? know, they can't show that vulnerability yeah. and that softness. Yeah. And I think we just, I mean, it's like, and it, it's tough, but we have to find that way on the one hand to have our boundaries and also to express our feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk to educators all the time that we need to give our kiddos these platforms where it is safe to express negativity. We don't have that. And so yeah. movement, music, and the arts are such a great venue for that. We need to have that, all of us, especially during this unprecedented time of where we all feel lost, at least a lot of us, you know, I yeah. thought I was the only one because I seem to have surrounded myself with people who've done great during COVID. They're, very, <laughs> they're introverts. They I'm an introvert. Care. I love staying shut up in my house and I have a perfect excuse to order in food every night of the week and never see anyone. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> no, it didn't. So for all of you listening to this broadcast, I'm if you if you're if you're with Sophia Renee, well then you were with her. But if you if you felt like it was the hardest time in your life, I'm on your you're side. You're not alone. <laughs> exactly. Not alone. <laughs> Reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So how did you discover your mission and your passion? How, how did it start to come together for you? I understand you feel like you're still evolving, but clearly you're, you're getting some stuff done as well. So when I was 16, um, I, I mean, the, the interesting part, part about the trauma in my childhood is my mother was very open to the spiritual and to what we might call the alternative. She in Europe saw psychics. And mm. so I began to dream things that came true at nine. And then I had, I, I started to read palms at the age of nine. So I was 
I was so hypersensitive and I would pick up everything. But at 16, I wanted to be a, um, a dress designer. I just wanted to be an artist. I loved art. I would make my own um, comic books. <laughs> there used to be comic book called Betty and Veronica, and I had my own series. <laughs> and so I, I decided I was going to apply to design school. But at the same time, um, my stepfather, who was my primary abuser, um, got thrown out of my house. And I decided I wanted to save the world through psychiatry. And so um, I ended up going to the scholarship to the school in upstate New York and studying psychology, but I couldn't deal with math. So my mother had gotten remarried and had moved to California. I was living in New York state. And um, so um, I was told that I had to quit school and come to California. And um, I I started taking art and that was so incredible. And then I've just at 21, I discovered dance in um, when I, I went to Israel on my 21st birthday and went to my first modern dance concert. And that was it. I I would love to kind of dig a tiny bit deeper into this because it seems to me that you're following little breadcrumbs that have been left by your soul. What happens when you find one of these? Well, hold on. I'm going to ask this question and then I'm going to take us to break. (laughs) So what happens when you find one of these soul breadcrumbs? I would love for you to describe to us how you recognize that this is this is one of your pieces. So while we are going to break, I would invite all of you out there in listener land to get your pen, to get your paper, and write a few things down that kind of sparkle for you, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Things mm-hmm. that you've run into where you just felt like you were in flow and it felt wonderful and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. In a Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at innerrealmmagazine.com. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. 
listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging the break. This is Zofia Renea Morales, and I'm here with Francoise. And uh, we were digging into how she discovered her mission and her passion in life. And before the break, I was asking her how she knows when she's got a hold of one of these soul breadcrumbs, one of these hints that this is part of what she's here to do. So tell us, what, what is that like? How do you recognize that? So when I discovered dance, it, it lit up my heart and my soul. And I remember when I saw the modern dance piece, I said, I can do that. Maybe I can't be on point, but I can do that. And so I auditioned at Berkeley to get into the modern dance program. And I got in and I was always fighting my self-esteem, but there's a thing that happens when it feels right. And I remember that even my first spirituality was really walking in nature and that I would just become one with beauty. And for some reason, for me, beauty has always been a fire in my soul, in my heart. So there was something about dance that was this perfect blend of extraordinary skill and um, energy that just could communicate in ways that words never could. And then I discovered dance therapy and I thought, oh my God, what a perfect marriage of what I want to serve the world and to do it with my creativity. So I ended up, uh, you know, I, again, I didn't know how to do a video. I didn't know how to audition. I didn't know how to do any of that. And I just found people to help me and get there, but I struggled. I remember even when I got into uh, Mills College where I got my master's degree in dance and dance therapy, I, I was so afraid of not being good enough mm. and um, I had done ballet when I was a little girl, and um, but we had to stop when I was five years old because we had no more money for me to, to send me there. Oh. But it, I also then got very involved after my master's degree with meditation, and that piggybacked with my love of movement and my love of spirit. And I, and I searched, I searched for both of these, but I also never, part of uh, what I had to do is I had to work full time and I also had to go to school and I would get scholarships and fellowships. So in my um, master's degree, I went on an interview and they asked me for Planned Parenthood. I'll never forget this. (laughs) And they asked me, well, do you have your art portfolio? And I go, art portfolio? I thought this was, yes, you're going to be our graphic artist. And I said, well, I just happen to have an art portfolio in my trunk of my car. I will go get it. <laughs> I will go get it. And I got the job. So it always seemed that the universe would allow me to, 
to do that, to use my creativity. And then my first work after getting my master's degree, I did graphic arts for the city of Richmond. I worked with children. I wrote songs and I am not a musician. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kept doing that. But again, there was no model for me to do that. There was no one that said, you know, you can't, you have to, you have to concentrate on one thing, but I didn't. I always had these diverse talents, but never felt great at anything. But still, there is a sense inside your being. And, and what I was going to talk about with meditation, that place where you just dissolve into everything. Mm-hmm. And, and my master um, would always really, really support each of his um, followers' gifts. And he would always, under his breath, look at me and go, ah, dancer. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you listeners, those of you who have seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love, or read the book, that was my ashram in a long time ago. <laughs> ah, very nice. <laughs> very and nice. it made a huge difference in my life. It really did. Uh, so for me, it was a combination of being true to my artistic nature and having faith that somehow not making a lot of money would work for me. And that marriage of spirituality and psychology but it was, you know, it was a different path than everyone yeah. else seemed to be walking. And I, I love that you remain true to your path, even when it didn't seem completely logical, right? Because that is one of the hallmarks, I think, of following the spiritual path is it's not necessarily logical, but it does always have that light, open feeling to it, even when you have to what I want to say, strive to improve your skills, there's still this gracefulness to it. I love that word. You know, in this society, especially in the 21st century with all of technology, there's not a lot of gracefulness. And I think that's something we need to develop again, you know, loyalty and being graceful and soft and kind and gentle and, you know, with ourselves first and then with each other. And I think that we really are being called to bring that aspect of the feminine into the world. That is lovely. So how did spirituality fuel your career and your life's work? How, how did that all weave together? You know, it just did. I began to, um, after I got back from India, I found the, you know, it was like the grace of that, what they call tapasya, because I lived with 50 women in a dorm with more um, mosquitoes in my net than outside of my net. And, um, (laughs) you know, I was down to 95 pounds. I I got so sick in India and um, it was quite the time, but it seemed like when I, and then I, I, um, I went to Europe and saw my father who I had not seen as an adult. And that was very, very powerful. And then traveled through Europe and then finally came back to the U.S. And upon coming back to the U.S., I applied for a grant where I was hired one out of 10 artists to bring the arts 
back into, uh, it was at the time Northern California because Proposition 13 had just passed and the arts were eliminated from everything, especially the schools. So I was able to use, I, I taught meditation in the prisons. I taught dance therapy in the prisons. I worked in maximum security and minimal security. I wrote grants uh, to bring dance therapy into the schools. I did pilot programs through TV where I taught uh, educators how to integrate the arts into the classroom. This was novelty back then. Nobody did this. Nobody did this. Really radical. And actually it you're swimming against the trend because exactly. Proposition 13 was like, no, 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 we're not going to blend this stuff, right? <laughs> and it was it was phenomenal. So, and when I got back from India, I actually, and I lost that way. I was able to have nothing in my outer world really fulfill me except for my work was phenomenal and I had Mm. health insurance for the first time I mean it was was great it was great um but there was this oh this fullness that couldn't be filled with outer things and Mm. then later of course I thought okay I've done that now let me get things in the world (laughs) yeah let me have some stuff now And I think that it's been this constant dance between, you know, how do you live in the world in a body, you know, and keep that ageless and keep it healthy. And at the same time, be true to the truth. Yes. There is only one truth. I mean, I love studying uh, the great philosophers and even the great scientists from, you know, well, De- you mentioned Bruce Lipton. So, well, yes. <laughs> he's from our current, but even yes. the scientists and the philosoph- philosophers from the Greeks, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's Aristotle or Pythagoras or Plato, you know, they, they had this understanding of the mystical, the philosophical, the scientific, and the physical. Yes. And the mental and then the emotion. And, and it all interweaves together. And I know we like to put things in silos in the modern world. In, in boxes. Yeah. The, <laughs> what are you specialized in? Where are your edges? You know, don't overstep, right? Yeah. But the truth of the matter is each part affects the whole. And you, you can't deal with things in silos. No, it's, it's or in, artificial. In, well, and, and I think it's that it's that same feeling, that same uh, flow where we are, we're right and left brain, we're, we're body, we're mind, we're spirit, we're emotions. And now we know we're all one system and what affects one, one system affects the other. And I think um, my work in, with educators for a long time, I've been working with educators Um, giving graduate credits. And I bring in all these holistic courses um, from resiliency to creativity, to stress management, to strengthening the body and mind, to bully proofing. And I, I weave these different ways, elevated learning through the arts and movement, kinesthetic learning, 
so that educators can really work with the whole person. I've even brought numerology and the science of numbers so that educators have more tools in their toolbox. Exactly. More information is always better than less. Well, it so is. I love that you brought in resiliency because I think that's an important part to not just surviving traumatic events in your life, but thriving afterwards. Exactly. So what what do you hold on to? What gets you through those dark nights where you're sitting on the floor and it's like your world has dissolved around you? That is such a good question. You know, I, I think that the great thing about those of us who are light workers and healers and teachers is that we have to always be humble. And maybe that's why we keep going through things. <laughs> Well, that's true. There's we nothing no like answers. the rug being yanked out from under you to keep you humble. Especially when you think you're a wise woman and an elder. Yeah, it's like, right? oh, I've, I've made it. I've yeah, made uh -huh. it. Like, hold I, on. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's... I did my recovery. I did, you know, years of therapy. I'm I did all so my over. Yes. <laughs> and I think it, it really is what you talked about earlier. It's like, how, how do you know that when you go through another period, you know, that you have more skills and that you're going to do it slightly differently. So for me, it was COVID, you know, and these relationships that I, that I thought were just there for me, you know, um, personal and professional, and they dissolved. And then when COVID hit, it brought up for me the trauma that I thought I'd already healed. And mm -hmm. some of it was the fear of my lineage, yeah. Um, the Holocaust, because if you got sick during the Holocaust, you might as well have you said were goodbye done. to your life. You're dead. Yeah, you're done. And yeah. the pandemic brought that out. And oh, yeah. because for me, and this is important because not, not everyone recognizes this, but I have lived, um, you know, being born in Europe and raised in Europe for a good period of time. English is my third language, even though I don't have an accent, but I can very nice. One. <laughs> Um, part of that was balance. So my internal world, even when I was living in the ashram, I didn't drink my wine. I didn't have much food, but I had my peeps. I had these close relationships and, you know, I was even my, part of my work was even to do, um, to, to dance therapy. So I never got disconnected mm. from that reflection of others with me. And during COVID, all of a sudden I found myself, there was no balance to the outer world and the inner world. There was no way of connecting to anything. And I was living with snow and the mountains and yet I couldn't connect to anyone. So I didn't know how to navigate this balance between my deep inner world and my sovereignty and the feedback from the outer world where I could laugh and play and love and heal and teach, it was cut off completely. And I didn't know what to do. And I went to an alone, dark place that I'm still moving out of and also found myself having, uh, you know, these, these, you know, there's been so much divisiveness and oh, yes. for lack of the better world, a better word, you know, a conflict with people. It's like everybody's 
dark side and shadow seems to have just blasted in the world. <laughs> <was> stepping forward. <laughs> and so I'm still looking at how can I serve? How can I have that balance again in the outer world without fear, you know, masked up and you know, all this divisiveness with vaccinations and so much information and misinformation. Oh my goodness. It's hard to know who to believe nowadays. And that's where I think our work is so important. And by our work, I mean, all of our work, how do we really truly listen inside and then balance that outwardly? And part of it, you know, I'm starting to do more work with um, private movement therapy and movement, because at least that allows you a safe place to express your negativity. And we yes. need that. Well, and I think listening is going to be such a big key, because what I'm noticing in social media, for example, is there, there's no listening. It's all like red flags in front of a bull on some topics and it's like no no hang on we ought to be able to as reasonable people sit together and explore the differing opinions and where is the information coming from and does it make actual reasonable sense some of what's being said um, and we can't seem to have those conversations right now because yeah. there's this inability to listen. The instant you don't agree with my worldview, it, it's like I must destroy you. Well, what's up with that? Well, we need that so much now. We need to yeah. find um, avenues and roadmaps so that we can not only find ways to heal ourselves and work with others, but also to, like you said, give each other um, the ability to listen and then, you know, be friends, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, tolerance. And that's part of the work with resiliency too, which, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about. We will talk much more about that when we get back from the break, but we're already up on our second break. And if you've been out there listening to us today and you've got your pen and paper, which I expect you did because you went and got it at the first break, I invite you to spend some time around where are some of the places that perhaps you could listen a little bit more to someone else's experience before you step in with your own. And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. 
It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am back with Francoise. And uh, we were discussing a little bit about how she has kind of worked through the her own set of traumas in her life and resiliency. And I, my personal opinion is we're not taught to be resilient. So tell me what resiliency is to you and how do we improve it in our own selves? So for me, it's a definition of four things. The first is that um, we were taught in the society. Well, I'll, I'll backtrack for a minute and then I'll get to the four things I promise. <laughs> so I, I was brought up that if I was going to be successful and in life, no, yes. not just it in money or other ways, that life should be easy that life should be magical, even in many of the techniques of what we call the new age today, that if you're not happy and go lucky and you don't immediately use your thoughts to create the magic. a hundred percent of the time. Uh, yes. And, and, and you're not, and, and if you've, you know, if you've studied the law of attraction and you're still attracting crap in your life, well, then you're not using the techniques, you know, correctly and something's wrong with you. Yes. And, especially in our 21st century, we have the false sense that if things are not easy and instantaneous, something's wrong in our lives. It's this microwave mentality. It is. If you look at Mother Nature and you look at the miracles that she performs, they are not instantaneous, any of them. They're all processes. And some of them look like death and dying before they look like anything amazing and beautiful and abundant. And I have heard from more people, and I think it's important to say this, is that, um, you know, if it doesn't feel good instantly, it's, oh, I'll quit. It's okay. Bye. See ya. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought this was going to be amazing, but it's turning out to be a little bit and of work. So, yeah, it's too much work. I'll, you know, don't yeah. need that person in my life. And I think we need to really look at that again and really look that life is maybe not easy. Can we create ease? Can we create beauty? Can we create love? That's so important. So for me, the first key is going through adversity 
And that might happen in your childhood. It might happen through death. It might happen through, uh, you know, working hard for something that you really want, whether you're an Olympian or anything else. So the first thing is the adversity. And the second thing is then going through it. And the third- It's like building strength, right? I mean, you don't just walk into the gym and go, oh, I'm strong. I'm going to lift, you know, 250 pounds. You you work against that resistance over time and you get there eventually. So the second part, though, is really important because it leads to the third. The second part is that you might fall apart and you might be in tremendous grief or pain or discomfort or disease or like you mentioned, death. The third part now is so important and we don't teach this. And that is that understanding that you have to be able to move through the darkness, allow it to have whatever um, sense of negativity over you, which might be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then find a way to feel it so that you can transform it and heal it. And the fourth stage is you start to contribute, and I'm gonna give you examples, and that becomes your thriving. Mm-hmm. So there's a woman um, and that, uh, her name is Christina Noble, and there was a movie about her life, Noble, and she was, she was an orphan. She uh, was put away in a, in, she was raped and she went through so much hardship. She always held on to her music. And after she moved in many places, she lived in Europe. She had this dream and it was a, a, a dream, a real dream yeah. of um, all the orphans in Vietnam. And as it turned out, after decades and decades, she ended up to this day, she has rescued, and I get chills every time I think about her, 700,000 kiddos in the world. Holy buckets. And, and Talk about light, your ripple effects. <laughs> and she's light and free. And yet she's been through hell and back. And when I look at Viktor Frankl, or Nelson Mandela, 21 years in solitary confinement. confinement. And he becomes the leader of his country that imprisoned him, the first black leader. And so, you know, it, it, it's even in my, own, uh, in my own story, I really feel like there's something more for me to help others in, in finding their own truth, their own resiliency, their own ability to move through that alchemy. And we're not taught how to do that in the society. We're not taught how do we build the bridge if we're not doing it fast enough where it's not right. If we're not, you know, able to meditate and do our vision board and then immediately manifest our vision board, what do we do? Yeah, throw it away. There's something wrong. Throw it away. Oh, it doesn't work anyways. Why? Why help others? Why serve others? And we're we're so taught to be so self-centered in the society. And yet you have to, there's a difference between being selfish and attuned mm. to who you are. Yeah. And then helping others. Not your way, but their unique way. Yeah, in a way that really works for them. 
Yes. That's but beautiful. we really, and, and unfortunately today, you know, if it, you can be famous at 12 on TikTok and <laughs> hopefully we're going to find a different way to do that, where we actually honor those people who've lived on the earth a long time. What I love about William Shatner is he's 90 and he's always rediscovering himself. And reinventing himself. Yeah. Exactly. For many years, I thought, you know, he'd gone off into the into retirement and greener pastures and what have you. And then all of a sudden he's like back in the spotlight and doing all of this stuff in, you know, so the important. waning, quote unquote, waning years of his life. <laughs> and, and, you know, those of us that have lived for a while, I'm hoping that we can teach and really serve others. And then like you are talking about on, on this broadcast is um, help people get on their path, yes. which may not look like yours or mine, but we can, we can facilitate that. Absolutely. So how do you start building more resilience into your own life? Since we haven't been taught it, society doesn't encourage it. What are some tools that we can use to? Well, one of the things that I back. <laughs> Oh, so in my teaching, and I have a book called Movement for the Mind, uh, Dance That Awakens Healing, Inspiration, and Wisdom. And people can work with that because I really look at um, the marriage between the mind, the body, spirit, and emotions, and how to heal any kind of trauma and use that nonverbal, the alpha brainwave state in any situation, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, creativity, um, in any kind of way or stress management. So, um, so I would say find venues that allow you to integrate the right and the left brain. Um, I use meditation and I teach that I teach yoga. Um, I think the arts are a great way to really discover your inner self and then, um, to give yourself some platforms that allow you to express the negativity and the pain and the fear and the anger in a safe way. And um, that's what I do in my work is I give people vehicles to do that. And I have to remember to do that for myself, which luckily I have friends who say, oh, you know, I know a woman who wrote a book. Yeah. And <laughs> you and might want to look at what she's suggesting. Do some of those <laughs> techniques. <laughs> I love that. So what if you're not good at it, though? I mean, some of us can't draw to save our lives. <laughs> some it's of rude. us can't carry a tune in a bucket. How, how do you express yourself creative, creatively, creatively if you've always been told that you suck? Because it isn't a matter of, um, of being you know, good or right or wrong. So there's one of the paradigms that I teach with is called the VOJ and the VOI. And the VOJ is the voice of judgment. And mm. that's that part of us that judges whether we're right or wrong, good or bad, old or young. Um, I have two left feet. I can't dance. Well, movement is our language. As babies, we move and we also doodle and draw. We don't have to be good, but it gives a vehicle that's nonverbal mm -hmm. to be able to express not only the good, but the hard, the bad. 
And so many beings who actually survived during the Holocaust used, they weren't allowed to, but those that came out of it and came out with a soul never gave up their, their creativity in even, even subversive ways. So it's not about being right or wrong or good or bad. It's being able to use it as a vehicle of expression where it's safe. I love that. So we've got just like three minutes left in the end of this show here. And I know you brought a gift for the guests. So share a little bit about what your gift is, and then I'll tell them where they can go find it. Okay. So anyone who would like to do a consultation with me, I also do readings. I do spiritual guidance through clairvoyant readings and numerology. And I, you know, work with movement. I do classes. I do workshops. I do private one-on-one and session. So anybody, uh, the gift today is you will get a 15 minute consultation and where we really look at what is, what is your path, whether it's through, you know, uh, a reading or through a session or through a class or through looking at what path would be best for you in that alchemy, in that finding your truth and your resiliency and your purpose. I love that because it's, it's hard to, to know what your stuff is because you're on the inside of the bottle. Everybody else in the world can see the label on the outside. So a consultation like that is so priceless because you can look at the outside of the bottle. (laughs) So if you would like to connect with Francoise and uh, get your 15 minute consultation, you can go to sovereignself.media and she'll be up at the top of the page. You can just click to get her gift. Her contact information will also be there if you would like to ask her a question or connect with some of her other offerings. There is that all available to you at sovereignself.media. This has been an amazing conversation today. If I give you 15 seconds, what are your final words of wisdom? Well, anyone um, can contact me through my website. So that'll all be out there. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, through even my phone number and my email. And it is to, I think for all of us that we're in this together, we're all really, we're beautiful snowflakes, but we're in this together and, and understand that you're here for a purpose and be soft to be gentle to yourself and reach out with loving kindness and you know, fulfill those places in you as well. And I really welcome you to, um, to search out and seek me out. And I look forward to your own discovery and sharing that with me. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for being my guest today. And thank you to everyone who joined us as a listener today. Thank you for being my guests as well. Uh, we do this for you. And I love to hear from my listeners. So please don't be shy. Drop me a quick line to askzofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A, at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here.